Welcome to the Gin Ignite podcast. Whether you want to party or stay in, gin will ignite. This is the weekly show coming to you on a Friday, ready for the weekend, where we go through all things gin. If you want to find more out more information, catch me on Instagram at Gin Ignite or alternatively go to the website www.ginignite.com. Welcome to the show and let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to episode 21. Today I'm talking to Paul Jackson from The Gin Guide. We talk about everything from how Paul started The Gin Guide to distilleries, The Gin Guide Awards, Gin Reviews and what's next for The Gin Guide. But more on that a little bit later on. First of all, I want to talk to you about Nipple in a Tipple. This is a fantastic chance for the Instagram community to raise awareness for breast cancer. October is, in fact, Breast Cancer Month, and this was created by Bev at gin underscore meets underscore girl. My Instagram shout out from a couple of weeks ago. The idea really is to spread the word about breast awareness and monthly checks. So the challenge runs throughout October and it's your chance to come up with a booby inspired drinks or a cocktail. Nothing's off limits, whether it's a G&T with a cherry on top or a full, as Bev puts it, fancy pants cocktail. Post it to hashtag nipple in a tipple. Bev has also set up a Just Giving page for Copperfield people. Uh, if you want to have a look in the show notes, you can see that. Also have a look at Bev's profile at gin underscore meets underscore girl and share the hashtag nipple in a tipple post. And you can also look at that for more information. I would like to talk to you about something else um, as well. Um, reviews. So if you listen to me in a podcast directory, I would be very, very grateful if you had a moment of your time to do a review on this podcast. It just means that it within the podcast directory, it kind of gets out to more people, There's kind of the more reviews you have. So if you have a chance to do that, I would be eternally grateful. I also want to talk to you about events. Hashtag small gin September has been a real success. And I would like to say probably for the last time, but thank you very much to Vanessa at Nessie J91 for setting up. It's been really interesting to see the people behind the brands, some information about the brands that have been involved. It's been nice to see, you know, a few of the giveaways and that kind of thing. It really, really has helped. And I think events do help the Instagram and, and, and a lot of the, the communities and the, and the gin community in general. So if you have an event that's coming up and you'd like me to mention it on the podcast, please do get in touch. As per normal, the normal way to get in touch at Gin Ignite, either on Twitter or Instagram or gin.gossip at ginignite.com. My weekly recommendation is Massingbird Monday's Burrell's Gin. Focusing on your heritage is a really good brand story because you have something solid to base it on. It also gives sort of natural prestige to what you're selling and what you're showcasing. The flip side of that, though, is you have to actually produce something that's worth that prestige. The Massingbird Monday kind of bases their story around the South Ormsby estate, which was purchased in 1638 from the Skip Withs by Sir Drainer Massingbird. The South Ormsby estate was held for 400 years by the Massingbirds, who in the 19th century actually became Massingbird Mondays. 
And that's the name that the distillery now has. Head distiller Tristan Jorgensen, who came to talk to us on episode 12, took on the mantle of producing this gin and he wanted a juniper-led traditional London dry gin. Now, the nose is really, really interesting. There's kind of a freshness to it, almost a sweetness to the aroma, along with it like a zestiness too. I have to say the flavour profile is breathtaking. You instantly get the juniper and dryness hitting you. And then you get some kind of a citrus flavour, followed by a sweetness, followed by a bit of heat from the alcohol before the flavour drops off ever so slowly. The whole profile is so smooth. So smooth, to be honest, I'd have happily have this as a sipping gin. and I don't really often say that. I tried this with my normal Mediterranean tonic and I have to say that this really enhances the flavour further. I didn't think it would, but it really, really does. Now, there is a dryness to the gin, which would normally kind of niggle me, kind of like a Negroni does. But in this case, it really adds to the experience. I think it would work with any light tonic, including elderflower. I wouldn't really go for anything with a stronger flavour than that. I think it would be excellent as a dry martini. And I can't decide whether it would also work as a dirty martini or a Vespa martini, but something I definitely need to try. This has been added to many cocktails and I'm really keen to try it out myself. So congratulations to Tristan and the team on the South Ormsby estate for creating a gin and managing to incorporate the heritage behind that. And now for my talk to Paul Jackson from The Gin Guide. In 2009, Paul Jackson started as a marketing manager. He worked for a variety of organisations, including undertaking some work for Google between 2012 and 2017. In 2014, he couldn't find the information he was looking for on gin. Desperate situation. His passion and the gin guide was then born. What started off as a hobby soon gathered pace and by 2018, he'd become full time. 2018 was the first year that he started the gin guide awards. I have to be honest here. I had not heard of the gin guide until I'd spoken to a number of distilleries who named it as the place to go and the place they had to be. To be shortlisted for the Gin Guide Awards or to have a review of your gin is a real accolade. What struck me when I first spoke to Paul is his pragmatism and his knowledge of the industry. I'm delighted, humbled and honoured that he joins me here today. Hello, Paul. Hiya, Ben. Thanks very much for having me on. That's absolutely okay. As I said, it's a, it really is an honour and a privilege. Um, it's really nice of you to, to take the time to, to do it. Because I know, I know you're very, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've listened to your podcast before in the past. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be on it myself. Fantastic. So your, your career from sort of 2009 to sort of 2017 just kind of reads marketer but you you did do some sort of interesting work with kind of google between 2012 and 2017 when you were at reload digital and herringbone marketing what what did your kind of collaboration involve yes yeah, so my focus at that point was on digital marketing uh, i worked for a couple of agencies with you know, businesses around the world and um through that i uh, did some actually sort of consulting work for google um, largely with their online advertising okay. uh, and the development of that that program, um, which was yeah great fun. Um, 
I was never never sad to have to go and have a lunch at their amazing offices and <laughs> got to do things like speaking at their at their conferences. Oh wow! Which was uh, always uh, always an impressive event. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah, very very good fun. So did you get to travel quite quite a lot? You know, sort of to you know, did you go to the US Google offices or was it mainly sort of the London based ones? Sadly not. Um, oh, I went no. to their Dublin office. Oh, okay. So I had a nice trip trip there uh, with some nice hospitality and visits to the Guinness factory, etc. Oh, fabulous. So um, didn't make it to the US, but I'm not going to complain. No, no, no. No, definitely not. I mean, you know, just to, just to have that, you know, that sort of time on, on your CV is, is you know, is gold really because... Uh, you know, everybody, everybody kind of knows Google all around the world. And then sort of in 2014, you, you set up the Gin Guide because you, you couldn't really find the information that you wanted. When did it sort of become apparent that many other people and brands sort of had found the information and, and they found it useful and uh, they, they were starting to kind of want to kind of be on the Gin Guide and were following you? What, when, when did that sort of occur, do you think? It was surprisingly quick, actually. Oh, really? Um, perhaps a case of right place and right time where um, the response I was getting on social media and the readership of, of the website was, you know, quite surprising for me straight away. And it wasn't long before other gin distilleries and brands were starting to say, you know, can we, can we be involved as well, please? Oh, so it was, you know, uh, at that stage, it was, just so good to so it's fast track my my knowledge and understanding of gin and get to know the uh, distillers and, and so much more about the industry but yeah very uh, very surprising how how quick it moved <laughs> and and did you at, the, at that time did you sort of have to blag a little bit because maybe you didn't know quite as much about you know distilling as you certainly know now yeah i was always very upfront about it and i think you know almost having a was having the enthusiasm rather than the knowledge necessarily um, was, I think, what worked quite well and what meant that I could uh, sort of associate and and write in a way that was you know, sort of suitable for what people reading it would be uh, would be keen to understand. So I was kind of on their level rather than um, you know being uh, speaking as a, an expert at that point. Yeah, no, but I think that's really good. I mean, I certainly you know would never profess to be an expert myself and uh you know mine is definitely coming from a, a passion for gin rather than uh you know sort of knowing about gin so I, I kind of um I kind of uh get that and then obviously from herringbone you kind of reduced your time down gradually but what what kind of made you sort of finally decide to go full-time with a gin guide rather than be doing it as a kind of hobby yeah well I I still love marketing and have a, have a big passion for marketing but you know, um, if you have a choice, for me, gin was always going to be the winner, <laughs> and uh, it was definitely the definitely the goal to to just sort of follow that passion and and grow that side of things. And uh, yeah, I feel very privileged, I suppose, to be uh, to be in a position where you know working in the in the gin industry is my job. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us are jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh and I, I know you sort of did a wine and spirits sort of education trust um course and you you know you've done quite a lot of judging 
Um, and I know now you sort of just judge on the on the gin guide, but how did you sort of get into judging in the first place? Because it, you know, sort of going back to what you'd said about, you know, you initially your knowledge would maybe wasn't as uh, perhaps that that broad, and then but you know to be asked to be on a judging panel is is sort of very different. Well, the WSCT uh, a very long time ago uh, invited me onto their level one course um, very, very generously and absolutely took them up on it. And it was a fantastic course, uh, such a good intro to uh, all spirits. And you know, having carried on through through the courses, it's been, uh, been hugely valuable. And then alongside that, I've developed, I suppose, my own preferred tasting process and having tasted so many gins I think I've got the uh, the context and comparison that becomes quite quite valuable when when judging a gin yeah and uh, so yeah from there a, a couple of a couple of invitations to to panels and of course the, uh, the gin guide awards and it's yeah, become quite a big big part of my uh, my work yeah absolutely yeah well, it's it's kind of no uh, no mean feat that you know. Well, but we'll come on to that in 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 just just a bit. Um. So obviously you you generate revenue from sort of su- subscriptions with the gin guide. But what kind of other sort of consulting do you do as part of that? So it's uh, largely bringing in my marketing background. So a lot of what I do is around marketing strategy, marketing planning, and. Uh, particularly around launches, whether that's a, a complete brand new launch for a new brand or distillery or uh, for an existing company that's launching a new gin. Okay. So that's uh, that's the core of it rather than perhaps consulting around the distilling process or, or that sort of thing. Right. I think there's, a, there's definitely a better qualified expert. <laughs> yeah, I know we, we discussed on, on the pre-recording call that, uh, you know, there are some amazing people out there that just got a fantastic palette that can kind of tell you whether you're missing a bit of lemon peel or orange peel or whatever it might be so yeah you know that's definitely the palette you need when you're you know you're launching your gin and um so the the gin guide sort of has a big following kind of in instagram and a pretty you know sort of fairly big following on, on some of the other sort of social media channels as well and and obviously many brands are members but if you sort of step back, if you if you would, to sort of 2014, what would be the sort of difference from from then till now? Yeah, it's amazing how how different it is. Uh, looking back to I suppose the early days of when you know the likes of Sipsmith and and other brands were emerging, which you know, it's it's amazing to think that that's what maybe 11, 11 or so years ago, and you know, very very few brands that people are aware of, mostly supermarket brands at that point, and, and a few other growing ones that were, were getting some recognition. And you know, you'd look at a back bar and see you know, a few gins at most. Yeah. Whereas now, uh, now you look at the uh, same bars and there's, uh, there's tens of them. So the, the sheer volume of gins is, has been absolutely huge. And you know, rather than your big, Global brands, um, you know, being the, being the main ones, everyone's almost got a local gin distillery now. Um, the experimentation and innovation has been incredible into so many different things beyond your your classic London Dry. 
Um, so yeah, it's been a, a remarkable rise for, for June and yes, yeah, such a different scene with, um, as I say, not just, not just in England now, but a, a huge proportion of the world has really embraced gin too. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really believe some of the, the international side of it. You know, sort of you see every day, you know, there's, there's another country that sort of joins the joins the gin gang. It's quite amazing. Yeah, it's uh, from five or six years ago. You know, I'd be having phone calls with London and Birmingham and Manchester, whereas these days you're talking to you know, Slovenia, Estonia, Angola. It's it's really become a global global little phenomenon, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and what do you think makes the gin guide kind of different? Yeah, hopefully uh, people find that it's uh, one accessible without uh, large amounts of jargon. And whether you're a newcomer to gin or you know a real passionate uh, gin enthusiast, you know, you'll find things there that's that's interesting and relevant and useful um, and also very much independent. So although I suppose I'm the person behind it, it's entirely objective uh, without you know, sponsors or anything like that. So, and um, I think if you read the profiles and reviews, uh, the marketing burb and things like that, that a lot of people struggle with um, when choosing a gin, is very much stripped back so i think uh yeah hopefully it gives a fairly impartial impartial guide for everyone yeah i mean i definitely think it does i mean some of the brands that i know i've sort of seen the reviews and i think they are very very fair what you've said so i think you know it does does make a difference and i do like the practical practical side of it um i noticed very recently you sort of put the sort of garnishing section what, what sort of prompted that yeah it was from a a lot of questions of people asking me which which garnish they should put with a certain gin in a G&T. And I'm very much an advocate of experimenting and finding what garnish you want to put with your G&T with a particular gin. But it's you know good to have a starting point. So I put together the garnish guide there, uh, for which I think has almost 400 gins listed in it now with a recommended garnish, uh, just as a starting point that people can then try out and experiment from uh, but yeah one of one of the number of resources that you know i enjoy putting together to uh, to help people enjoy gin whether it's the cocktail guide or you know, sort of printable gin tasting placemats if you're running a gin tasting evening and all those sorts of things well i haven't seen those i need to need to check those ones out <laughs> <laughs> no there's a uh, yeah great uh, great amount of things like that uh, tucked away gin christmas gift guides and um uh, and all sorts of things like that and and how would you sort of describe the gin guide as a, as a brand so i tend to introduce it as uh, the global guide to gin and distilleries with the aim of helping people to discover new and existing gins and to help them enjoy gin and on the flip side of that it's for gin brands and distilleries to you know, showcase their gins and their distilleries and I suppose um, sort of deliver them to the uh, to the audience that's there of, of gin lovers and, and what what would you say the brand kind of means to you um it's a very good question uh I suppose it uh 
yeah, it means it means to me as, as much as it means to the people that are using it, really. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, it very much stands as a as a sign of you know, authenticity and uh, you know, and sort of credibility, and particularly when it comes to the Jin Guide Awards, you know, a really sort of rigorous and an independent. Uh, view of things well I, I definitely think it does and certainly from speaking as i said to a lot of distilleries out there they definitely rate it as, as being that and being independent and authentic and and a sense of credibility from the point of view of you if you're reviewed in there particularly uh, you know or you you win an award you know it's a big accolade so um, i definitely think you, you know you've achieved that mission definitely <laughs> i hope so and then the uh, the other battle is obviously maintaining that as you know it's a constantly evolving uh, world in terms of marketing and and the industry. So I'm always I always have that front of mind and, and keen to keen to maintain that. Yeah, absolutely. And what other sort of services do you offer? To I'm particularly thinking here about sort of distilleries. Yes. Yeah, so uh, a part of what I do is working with distilleries on on consultancy, as I say, particularly around around marketing. Um, also quite a bit around product development so when new distilleries or brands are launching you know, helping them refine their refine their product and, and equally for for those that have been going a while um, I help quite a few of them out with, with uh, some feedback and, and product development um, and also do a few uh, a few bits of helping with sort of marketing implementation and things like that uh, we're just calling calling back on a marketing experience to to help out and and when you sort of say I, i'm just sort of interested in the product development side of things so would somebody sort of come along to you with a gin and sort of say look i think this is ready for market but kind of what do you think or or, or how, how does the sort of product development kind of side of it work yeah that's it so typically it's it could be when someone's got a concept they're thinking a certain flavor or flavor profile or uh, a style of gin and um ask my view on that or or can be further down the line where you know they're down to what they think is pretty close to to a final product uh, and they're just getting to the point of refining it to uh to be perfect to go and i'll uh, i'll just help with any final thoughts there and equally on the on the branding side of it as well so uh, i've helped out with some new brands and some some rebrands as well you know we sort of discussed some of the the services but what if if i sort of look at the sort of distillery side of things what what does a distillery get as a as a member of of the gin guide so a big part of it is the i suppose access to the huge audience of gin lovers and trade professionals that uh, read the gin guide and, and use the resources there and of course uh follow on social media and uh, signed up to the gin newsletter so that's that's a big part of it is um basically having a having a showcase and you know that chance to be discovered and for people to find out all about their distillery you know the stories and people behind it the gins uh and uh, and more um obviously the aim of that is that a lot of people will find out about the gins uh get to know them really well and you know, perhaps buy a bottle or visit for a distillery tour or a gin school experience and um yeah very much uh, very much pays for itself 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, and certainly, again, again, from talking to the distilleries I have, they would definitely echo echo that side of things. And sort of thinking, I'm thinking particularly sort of Instagram here, but I guess it sort of covers sort of social media. How, if, if you were advising a, a distillery that sort of came along to you and said, look, how can I stand out as a distillery? What, what, what would be your kind of advice to them? So it definitely depends on, on who they're trying to target and what their sort of structure and, and resources are. So a lot of the time, you know, the, particularly in recent years, the trend has been towards having a local focus um, and you know, very much targeting your local local area, local region, and having a, na- a gym named after after that place because then you've got straight away a captive audience that's interested and can associate with it. Sure. Um, you know, whereas if you're going for a more, I suppose, uh, not uh, not focused on on location, um, you know, you almost have to have something that's going to appeal in a different way and that's going to capture people's interest. Um, some people focus therefore on on the branding, or it might be on particular flavors. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of ways a lot of ways to do it, and uh, you've seen see people be be successful with with all sorts of different approaches and, and ways of standing out how do you think a, a, a distillery should sort of craft their brand because I, I know you know i did a podcast fairly recently on sort of storytelling and one of the things i was saying is you know you see you know it might be sort of heritage or it might be um a, a particular um you know a particular locality and maybe there's some sort of um folklore around that or something like that but but how how would you advise a sort of distillery to sort of craft their brand well a key thing is that a key thing is authenticity and your spirit itself so it yeah more than ever people are interested in finding out about you know, the botanicals and the people and the processes behind uh, uh or any product but you know, increasingly with gin and people often, I suppose, see through some of the more manufactured stories. So I definitely, uh, definitely believe in, in authenticity and, and you know, being very genuine with it. And of course, if you have a great spirit, it's really going to help you grow because it's going to sell your second, third, fourth, fifth bottle. Whereas you do see some gin brands with gorgeous bottles and the gin inside doesn't quite live up to the looks of it and they'll sell one bottle but perhaps not another which then becomes a you know, real challenge to to sort of keep on growing past a certain point and it's always expensive more expensive to find a new customer than than keeping old ones so it's uh yeah definitely having those things at the core uh, are very important yeah I, I, and you know i i, I totally uh, hear what you're coming where you're coming from on that because uh, i know um Recently, there was something called Small Gin September, uh, where five sort of distilleries participated. And that was really interesting because you got to kind of see behind the brand. So you got to see the people behind the brand. You got to see sort of some information that perhaps you wouldn't normally know behind the brand. And it was it was just a really great way of sort of showcasing the, the brand. Yeah, I absolutely love that sort of thing. The people behind uh, the, the brands are, you know, one of my favorite parts of uh, of any day is you know speaking with distillers and brand owners and really getting to know them and 
I tend to host weekly distillery tours and Q and A's and uh, gin tastings on Instagram. Uh, and it's just, yeah, so interesting how people get into the industry and how they how they grow their gin and what their plans are. So um, yeah, the I think it comes into the authenticity uh, and uh, having that personal element to it as well. I must say, I I um, recently did a course and. You know that was one of the things that was saying really that that it's really important to do this and I, I must say that I hadn't really thought about it but you know when I sort of consume content that is what I really want to know you know yeah I, I do want to know that it's a nice gin but I do want to know sort of behind you know if you like behind the mask what's what's kind of going on so I think that's really really useful um yeah and I know you do a gin of the week how how you know I mean you've got you know a lot of a lot of members how how do you decide on the gin you know for me it's I look at my shelf and I kind of go oh yeah that's a nice one I'd like that and I think people are like that but you've got so many to choose from how how do you how do you do it yeah so it's a an invite only uh, feature I suppose where um um where I try and have a, a really nice mix particularly with a really global audience uh, where I think around 20-25% of our followers and readers uh, from the US uh, you know a great number from Australia and, uh, and the rest of the world too so I try and have a really good mix of gins from around the world uh, not just focusing on on UK gins and then having a combination of different styles so sometimes it may be a navy strength or an tom um, or something something that's more in a flavoured direction. Um, and I'll mix things up between, you know, some classics uh, that, you know, that people who are new to gin might not have discovered yet or that people have been uh, enthusiastic about gin for a while you know, and can go back to an old favourite. Um, and then equally some, some brand new launches as well for things that are absolutely fresh to the market and people might not have heard about yet. So yeah, I think uh, having having a mix and hopefully uh, keeping it interesting for everyone. Well, I'm I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on what happens kind of next next week on because uh, I know I think I'm not sure whether it's finished now, but I know um, certainly last week it was um, uh, the Gower uh, Gin Company, wasn't it? The uh, Dragon Strengths. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, love andrew and sean they're such uh, such wonderful people so always always pleased to support them and catch up with them and of course uh quality is a, a part of it as well yeah. um you you won't see the see gins there that you know, uh, you know perhaps lower quality or that you know, i i don't want to recommend because i don't think people will uh, enjoy necessarily no um, obviously it's all subjective but um you know there are there are certain uh, certain things i think that i can uh, expect people to like uh, from from some knowledge of the of the industry and, and those trends and and just just for, for my knowledge but i'm but you know i think i'm speaking on behalf of the audience as well when when does the gin of the week change yeah uh, the new gin of the week uh, each week is announced on a monday and then we'll uh, often do a distillery tour or a live tasting on instagram in the middle of the week or uh, sort of meet the maker interview and then um you know perhaps perhaps things like a, a cocktail that works particularly well with that gin um later in the week too so just to try and give a really good overview and you know i'm here 
really discovering and getting to know that gym myself and uh, hopefully bring everyone, everyone along along with me in, sort of, uh, in them discovering it too. Now, obviously, um, you know, COVID is kind of with us at the moment. So how are you helping your sort of member distilleries to sort of, you know, maybe change some processes or how and what have you sort of found have, have been the sort of difficulties people are experiencing? Yeah, it's a mad time, absolutely mad time with uh, it's been it's challenging for a lot of people and so unpredictable as well. But it's been incredible to see the way that so many brands and distilleries have, have innovated and adapted and you know, done done such a great job of that it's a tough job being a distiller and when you're given these extra challenges it's uh, it makes it even more so um but you know where wherever possible i'm trying to help with advice and guidance particularly around that shift that a lot of distilleries and brands have needed to make from having a large amount of their revenue coming from the trade uh, which is obviously uh, sadly dropped off in a big way recently sure. and shifting that focus a bit more towards consumers and uh, sort of direct retail if you like so um, yeah I think it's, it's been quite a big shift in you know often updating websites and yeah absolutely and platforms and looking at a, looking at a side of marketing that for some people has been I suppose uh, on the back burner behind behind trade obviously you know sort of one big thing that um you can do is um sort of showcase brands and and you've done that with the sort of gin guide awards now i know there are sort of five sections you kind of got production style region design and sustainability and industry sort of uh, sections but what made you kind of decide to sort of add design and sustainability even category yes in the first few years of the awards uh, those those weren't the uh, weren't categories there that they were added in for the first time last year, um, and the reason being that it's there are two things that have become really important uh, to consumers and, and the trade alike. So um, on the design front, often a first impression is made with with the look of a bottle. Um, obviously, the all important second impression is is the spirit itself. But when someone, you know, is is looking at a few gins and you know, one might stand out visually, and it's uh, it's an important thing, not just the bottle, but the whole brand and you know, the story behind it and everything like that. Um, and then again on sustainability, uh, a really increasingly important factor in people's decision making. So um, you know, and it's also really interesting to in showcasing. The, the gins that are doing doing things on that front it makes a lot of other distilleries and brands aware of what they can be doing as well. So hopefully, it's a bit of uh, spreading the word of of what can be done. Some some big things, some small things that have a, have a great impact too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know I've seen with sort of various brands, you know, sort of the importance as well, sort of being environmentally aware. Um, and, and I know um, also, you know, sort of sourcing locally is, you know, sort of important. So it's great sort of to sort of showcase that kind of thing as well, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about uh, discovery, again, of what you know, what factors do the consumers and trade use to find a gin or purchase a gin. 
and those are those are two really important things as well as as well as the spirit and, and obviously you know under the sections there are various categories and, and sometimes so I, was, I was looking through them uh, the other day and it, sometimes it appears that you have sort of two winners rather than one how does that sort of occur so the number of winners is determined by the number of entrants in each category okay. and um, the number of gins that have achieved above a score within that category. So um, based on uh, these scores within a category for each year, uh, they essentially use a, an algorithm to determine what the threshold is for for being a finalist and for them for being a winner. Right. And, uh, so typically the larger the number of uh, entrants in the category, the likelihood is to be more winners and more gins over that threshold score. Fortunately, uh, my other half, uh, she is a maths teacher and a great help with uh, <laughs> the, the numbers side of things um, uh, when it comes to that. But it's uh, sort of, of great importance to me that there aren't hundreds of winners and that it's a very select number because you know, I think with awards, if everyone has an award, if everyone has the same award, it devalues it and it stops being a differentiating factor or something that the consumers or trade can use to decide whether um, you know they want to want to pursue a gin or not so you know, very much uh, very much making it an exclusive thing to have have won an award uh, so that it you know it does remain prestigious and has meaning yeah absolutely and i think it is important because you know I know sort of as a consumer, you know, you see that and you go, oh, okay, well, that's one. And well, I'm going to go and have a look at that first and foremost. If if it kind of just has, you know, bronze, silver and gold or whatever it might be, you kind of, it sort of loses the focus and then you have to find other sort of criteria. So, yeah, I think that is really a really good thing to do. Uh, something I, I haven't sort of thought about before is the logistics behind all of this. So how, how do you kind of get, you know, I mean, do you know how, I mean, how many entries do you normally get, say, or how many entries did you get last year, for example? I'm not sure of the exact number uh, last year and um, don't disclose it for a number of reasons, but it's, okay, fair uh, it's hundreds. Um, and it's, uh, it is an absolute beast uh, of a project <laughs> that takes me, um, not just me alone on the awards, as I fortunately have some help, but it, you know, it's five or six months of of work to wow. go from you know, setting everything up, uh, opening entries, to um, obviously accepting all those entries and making sure everyone's in the right category, etc., and processing all of those to uh, then bottling up all of the samples into miniatures, sending them out to the judges, um, them and uh, and myself, of course then judging, then collating all the scores and um, also providing feedback to all the entrants so that uh, you know, they they have real justification and explanation of their scores and feedback from a panel of panel of experts from across the industry. So there's yeah, a lot of a lot of elements to it and a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and I mean that's that that's kind of why I asked the question really, because it just you know it is a lot more complicated than you think. Yeah, it's um, yeah a huge, a huge task. I, I you know, in some ways, 
dreaded, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just absolutely love it. The you know the potential to discover gins and try gins from around the world is you know nothing else rivals it really, and um, you know to have the chance to showcase some really exceptional gins, distilleries, and distillers, um, you know is is something that I absolutely love doing, and um, yeah, it's. Um, a lot of hard work, but but well worth it when you sort of look back a year or two on on from when previous winners have have had their awards and how they've used that to to drive their you know, brand or distillery forward and yeah makes it uh, makes it instantly all worth it. You sort of alluded a little bit to the sort of judging panel, and I had a look at the judging panel, and I was quite pleased because I actually kind of knew some of them. So that's that's. Um... You know, sort of really good. When I say know know them, you know, I know of them sort of from from Instagram and 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 that kind of thing. But um, how how did you actually decide on who to pick and what sort of backgrounds do they come from? Because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's a really important part of the awards, and I'm always very very open about showcasing who the judging panel is. Um, and the aim is uh, to have the most uh, sort of broad representation of any awards uh, we have from professionals in the industry. Um, so I always have judges from uh, retail sector, distribution, through to bartenders and mixologists, distillers themselves, and then also bloggers and writers too, um, because they're, they all bring a different viewpoint. And um, you know, often often judging panels are largely made up of you know writers or critics, and they have uh, often a really great broad viewpoint themselves. But um, you know, I think to you know to be successful in the gin industry uh, as a brand or distillery, you have to be successful on multiple uh, with multiple audiences. So I think it's a uh, it's a good thing to do to represent all of those on the judging panel, and then. Equally, uh, when feedback is provided to the entrants, they can have you know, the viewpoints of a breadth of people. Yeah, and I must say, I must say, it's it's you know from my point of view, you know, I I was amazed because you do always think of people as sort of that are judging this kind of thing as being kind of industry experts and you know uh, critics, but you, you just it, it is really wide what you've got there. So I think it is. You know, fabulous from that point of view. Yeah, it's uh, always difficult uh, <laughs> you know, uh, choosing the uh, panels as well. But uh, you know, a, a big part of it is having people who you know, I, I know have a, you know, a genuine passion and interest and uh, large amount of knowledge in, in gin and the industry and you know, who are genuinely enthusiastic and, and trustworthy because um, if I get scores that are you know, very strange, or the feedback is is of a low quality. Um, it's very difficult to to use and for me to put forward as you know, something that's a a genuine result that should be really recognised. So um, I have to make sure that everything's very very rigorous and and done properly. So I, I absolutely trust all of the all of the judges, and a lot of them are people that you know I know personally and have known for. A number of years and can absolutely rely on to to give yeah you know, real dedication to the judging process and, and the feedback 
And I know you don't have an award ceremony as such. What was the kind of reason for that? Oh, this year, I'm certainly glad I don't. (laughs) That would have been a a nightmare. Um, So it is something that I've considered and had talks about. Um, And I know a lot of awards will almost sort of bed that into the, uh, you know, to the entry, entry cost. So I don't want to burden people with uh, the, a sort of an event ticket in, uh, as part of their, uh, the awards entry. Um, I'm also very aware that it's a very, very global awards with entries from over 30 countries, wow. uh, 30 different countries entered. Um, and obviously they can't all, uh, <laughs> all easily make it to a ceremony. So that's no. part of it too. And then uh, the other side of it is the logistics and, and cost of organizing that uh, as well. So, when when it came down to deciding, I decided to uh, focus on making sure that the awards process and the judging process and the rigor around that was you know, absolutely was tight and the best it can be, and um, you know, focus on that rather than the uh, kind of event side of it. But maybe maybe in future. Well, given given that you know, I mean, I hadn't. I I thought it was kind of maybe a month's worth of work. You know, given it's four or five months at least worth worth of work to do this, you know, not having a, a ceremony at the end. I mean, you're probably going to be pretty tired anyway. I can't, I can't, really, <laughs> I can't really imagine them going, oh, yeah, but let's have a ceremony. And, you know, as you said, I mean, thank goodness not this year because, you know, I can't really imagine a ceremony on Zoom. I'm, you know, Zoom's pretty good for most things, but I'm not quite sure that it works for an award ceremony <laughs> yeah exactly no i definitely need a holiday by the end of it so rather than a, a ceremony i really focus on the awards having um you know a really visual hopefully long-lasting impact so there's a huge amount of digital content um online content um a great amount of pr where you know it's you know, the results are publicized really widely across the world to to the trade a lot of magazines and um, there's a winner's catalogue that's distributed and also some some more exciting things this year that are going to include partnerships with with different people so the winners will um, you know essentially have the, the opportunity to, to tie up with with some partnerships with some other people in the industry oh wow um, so there's yeah some some more things that will be uh, announced with with this year's awards Oh, exciting times ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think there's no point winning an award uh, and, you know, it, it not having an impact. And some distilleries and brands do an incredible job of leveraging the success they have in, uh, in awards. Um, but I also, you know, feel a duty to, to maximise that for them. I think the, the greater, greater benefit they get from uh, from a success that, that I can provide the better really and again think it think it makes it all the more worthwhile absolutely absolutely so so I just wanted to sort of come away from that but sort of in a similar sort of vein in that you know sort of talking about sort of reviews and obviously you do a lot of reviews but how do you go about sort of deciding which gin of your members to review it's very similar to the uh, decision process I suppose for uh, deciding who's the gin of the week each week. Um, so I'm always looking to, to cover off uh, a wide range of gin styles and 
countries so that there's there's appeal around the world um equally that's you know new launches and engines that have been around for a while that uh, i perhaps haven't tried yet um sure. so yeah always uh always aiming to have a have a nice mix and when you're sort of doing the review just thinking sort of i don't know about the the bottle and the branding and that kind of thing what what kind of makes a gin sort of good for you visually that's the uh million dollar question isn't it um, <laughs> well yeah yeah visually almost strangely i i don't pay uh, as much attention when it comes to tasting and reviewing um i typically won't look at um sort of marketing blurb or you know even things like botanicals when i'm when i'm doing a tasting and almost try and do it blind uh, to give it the most impartial representation that i can um obviously i have the bottle there to, to pour from it but it's um yeah i think when it comes to reviewing it's not something i'll really mention in my mention in my reviews uh, too much as i think uh, it comes down to the people it comes down to the uh, spirit really at that point and there'll obviously be a nice big picture of the gin bottle itself so um i i'll let people make up their own minds and <laughs> well absolutely absolutely no um i must say i don't tend to go on about um bottles but there are occasional bottles that just visually stand out and i you know i yeah. usually say in the review i don't normally go on about bottles but you know uh, i know sort of mermaid gin for example their bottle is just fabulous and i know there's quite a few other ones out there where the bottle is just sensational i mean the only problem by yeah. having a beautiful bottle is you know to, to to something that you sort of said earlier on the spirit inside of it has got to be amazing. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, so many, so many gins with absolutely gorgeous looking bottles do have a gin inside to match as well, which is you know, the holy grail of uh, of pairing those two things up. But there's definitely a lot of gins that you see on gin shelf after gin shelf uh, without without fail, and um, you know you know that they've they've hit the mark uh, on the visual side and the uh, and hopefully the spirit side too. We, we on the podcast we've had quite a different. I don't think I think everybody sort of come down to the same view really. But there's there's a there's a obviously a different view on on how you should taste gin, and most people I think say pretty much you should taste it neat. But how would a qualified sort of professional like you go about sort of tasting a gin? What what kind of are the elements that you would go through? Yeah, I've definitely just developed a. A format and a process um and that's one that's used by all the judges as well in the awards um everyone tends to have their own own sort of style i guess but what uh, i typically do uh, when i'm trying a gin for the first time will be to pour it out typically just into a wine glass something like that um let it breathe for a moment and then um obviously look at the aroma i'll also look at the appearance as well um you're typically looking for whether there's uh you know whether it's, it's clouded or if there's you know, particles or sediment anything like that okay. um and then and then of course go on to the go on to the taster i'll taste it neat um normally multiple times and then i also like to try it with ice uh, or just a drop of water as the change in you know that reduces the temperature with ice and it reduces the ABV uh, of the gin, which can release some more of the more of the flavors and some of the heavier oils too. 
So you get a slightly different aspect with that. And then uh, I'll typically taste it with a, a dash of tonic as well, which I think is really important because a lot of tasting notes uh, and reviews are written purely on what a gin tastes like neat. But I think the reality is that a very, very small proportion of people are drinking gin neat. And, um, you know, the, so the real representation is what does it taste like with tonic or, or in some of the most popular cocktails. So I always look at, uh, look at that as well. Um, and uh, finally, I'll, I'll normally try a few different garnishes. Some of that's just my own enjoyment uh, <laughs> as, well as, the, as well as the review. And something else I'd really recommend doing is I always try a gin uh, again at another time because yeah, taste and smell are, are very you know, funny things and can be really impacted by all sorts of things, whether it's you know, what you've eaten and drunk earlier or even things like temperature. So I'll uh, normally make sure I've had a second try of a gin before putting pen to paper to uh, make sure I can trust my taste buds. Yeah, I think that's a really good good point. I know that I, I'm, I'm just about to uh, sort of finish a review and I, I've had it kind of you know, once and I'm going to do exactly the same thing just to sort of taste it neat again, just to make sure that I've got, you know, sort of the right things to, to say. Um, I'm yeah, interested. Really. It's I'm, a tough in, job, but someone's got to do it. Abso- absolutely. How, how do you, you know, if you've got a whole load of gins to taste though, do, do you sort of taste them in a, in a day and you have to sort of spit them out or do you kind of, um, you know, do you just sort of say, well, I'm going to do, I don't know, five a day or, or how does it work when you're sort of in the midst of, of the, the Gin Guide Awards? Yeah, it's a really good question. I've, uh, I've been asked it a few times. People say, how do you pace yourself? <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, are you, are you drunk on gin all day? And you know, the answer is that um, I very much spread it out as much as possible. Right. Um, and, you know, I'll, uh, I'll definitely... Uh, always uh, spit it out rather than uh, rather than drink too much <laughs> otherwise i don't write up right off the rest of my day but um so yeah i'll normally spread it out as much as possible um and try and taste gins individually again so sort of uh, so my taste isn't impacted too much yeah um, and that's very much a key thing behind the approach of the awards is that uh, rather than having a, a sort of a, a gin tasting day where i gather all the judges together um you know often judges in awards are judging you know sometimes 50 gins in a morning um and you know palate fatigue is is you know is a real thing and it yeah. becomes very difficult to, to judge at high quality um so whether it's judging awards or uh just tasting every day i definitely believe in that and therefore uh, all the judging for the awards is done remotely with uh, the uh, sample sent out to the judges who can taste them you know take as much time as they need to really really assess them properly which i think is also only fair when you think about the amount of time that goes into creating a gin and you know when the distillers have maybe done 100 iterations to get to their final final product and you know i think that it deserves the deserves the time and the attention to um you know, really uh really give it a, a thorough assessment yeah i mean you, you don't want to be sort of finding a judge that's sort of drinking sort of all all day as it were and they get you, you know you're the last one on the because you know you're going to be um it's going to really is going to be sort of palate fatigue so you kind of want you know sort of people to 
you know, sort of spit it out or, or do it over, you know, a key amount of time. Otherwise it's, you know, it's not going to be great. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's, so, um, yeah, it's got to be a level playing field. And, uh, yeah, you say when you're the first, it's first gin of the day or the last one, um, it could, uh, could have a real impact. So, um, yeah, go, uh, it's a lens to, to make sure that's, that's not the case. And yeah. I think the, you know, I, the most I've probably tasted it, you know, in judging, uh, not in the gin guide awards, but in awards previously have you know, maybe been around 20. And when you're tasting a gin properly and thoroughly, even if you're spitting it out, you absorb so much through your tongue and through your mouth. Sure. Um, that, you know, it's, it does have quite a, quite a big impact. So, um, yeah, when when uh, speaking to people recently about yeah tasting you know fifty in the morning and oh, I don't know how they do it. No, no, no. I must say I, I um, sort of had a whole load of gins that I wanted to taste, and I sort of back as I had backed them up, and um, I sort of did sort of back to back, and I try obviously trying to put water and stuff like that sort of in between. But I must say, a couple of them I had to go back and taste, and they tasted much better. Then I'd remembered them because exactly that I'd sort of had palate fatigue. So, yeah, I can totally, um, yeah, understand that. But there's a uh, definitely something to be said for, um, you know, not leaving too long a gap of making sure that you know there's particularly with the awards is tasting things uh, within a reasonable period of time just for the purposes of comparison. Um, Absolutely, and to make sure that you're sort of still on that. You know, you're keeping to that fair level playing field in terms of your scoring ranges. Um, so yeah, hopefully it's a happy medium. But uh, yeah, it's again, it's uh, it's a tough job. Yeah, but somebody's got to do it, haven't they? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely um, not complaining. No, no, absolutely not. Um, and what do you think is the sort of next uh, thing that is going to happen in the Gin Awards? You know, have, is there anything sort of exciting that's that's going to be happening sort of I don't know um, next year or, or the year after so entry uh, opens for the 2021 awards in uh, start of January and um, so I'm into the phase of starting to prepare everything um, and um, planning for that and there's definitely going to be some uh, some more uh, additions and exciting things for for winners and finalists and just entrants in general um but then every year i have a very very thorough review um of every element of the awards just to always make it uh, as you know sort of as professional and efficient and effective and, and worthwhile for the entrance as possible so uh, i've got a very long list of things to uh to think about and look at uh, there's definitely gonna be something uh something is of interest we might see a couple of additional categories um uh, this year that we haven't had before, um, so we'll, uh, yeah, we'll have to uh, have to wait and see. All, all will be revealed. Yes, indeed, absolutely. Um, and obviously, you as part of the gin guide, you're providing sort of product views and feedback, sort of marketing and PR services, tasting talks, and and sort of masterclasses, as well as sort of being an expert sort of on print, radio, and TV. What what's kind of the next big big thing to happen to sort of the gin guide? A big part of it is going to be more of the same i suppose um, okay and just uh particularly around digital content and uh, you have more ways for people to discover and enjoy gin and more ways for 
you know, the gin brands and distilleries to showcase their gins really. So particularly around video and live content and lots more guides and resources. And particularly as people are becoming more and more, I suppose, interested and educated in gin, uh, there's a you know a large segment of the market that sort of has an idea of what they like. Um, and so it's helping them find other gins within those categories that uh, that they might like too. So yeah, definitely uh, plenty more plenty more things to to come. And uh, yeah, it's you know it's just such a, an evolving industry. It's so interesting. It's always changing. Um, you know, it's difficult to predict what's uh, going to be around the corner in three or six months, uh, even. So I definitely make a point of always evolving and uh, yeah, always introducing new things that I think will be interesting and useful. Well, you know, I definitely think the garnishing side of things, that, that, that is really useful, certainly it's been very useful to me. So uh, you know, I think that's that's really that's good. good. And obviously COVID... There will be a printed version of that as one. Oh, <laughs> um, excellent, excellent. Uh, so uh, there'll be a, a downloadable version of the garnish guide um, because... I refer to it myself so often. Uh, yeah. So I thought I, 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 I could just do it as stuck on my fridge. So um, uh, there'll be a printable <laughs> version of that, uh, partially for my own benefit, and uh, hopefully other people will uh, find the same use for it too. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And obviously COVID is is affecting gin brands. We sort of briefly sort of uh, talked about it um, because I know for, for a lot of gin brands, um, you know, markets and events that they would normally go to, you know, just simply aren't there or they've gone online. How do you think the industry is going to change and evolve? Yeah, it feels like it's so unpredictable at the moment. Um, Indeed. I say the, you know, the innovation and adaption we've seen already has just been been incredible and you know, so, uh, so creative in a lot of cases too. Um, a lot of people have turned to, more direct to consumer channels and you know more video and virtual experiences and online tastings which have been been so good and you know even some of the um sort of events um you know like international scottish gin day have done a great job of you know taking that virtual and online as much as possible so i think there's definitely going to be definitely going to be more of that the other side of things which is it's difficult to see in a lot of cases is the people who have distilleries and distillery tours and gin schools that um you know is a big part of their business and, and their revenue that's see a bit of a tricky tricky side of things at the moment sure so um yeah hopefully hopefully things remain that uh, those can those can stay open and active uh, where they are but yeah it's uh the gin tourism as such is such a big part of the industry um and if we're to lose that and you know, the trade side that's so impacted at the moment it's uh it's definitely so challenging at least uh, at least the consumer side is is booming um and hopefully christmas proves you know uh, you know a really strong time for all the, all the brands and distilleries in terms of sales and is a is a little bit of relief yeah absolutely Anna. uh I did a couple of episodes on, you know, trying to get people to think about kind of where to go to to buy gin and that kind of thing, and and trying to encourage people to buy gin from distilleries. Not that I don't want people to go to bars or anything like that. I absolutely do, but uh, 
you know, it's just really, really important, particularly if people are going to be at home that they think about that, you know, side of things. Um, but I think maybe I need to do something a bit closer to Christmas just to maybe remind people again that, you know, please, please go to distilleries direct and support them. So uh, yeah, well, a lot of distilleries equally have, um, have really thrived as well. Uh, the ones that don't, uh, have so much focus on gin tourism or don't have as much focus or reliance on, on trade. Uh, you know, a lot of them have, have told me how they're actually doing, doing pretty well. Um, you know, Dave, with people buying more locally in general, uh, you know, if they're stocked in local farm shops and, uh, and local stores, then they've seen their sales increase and, and all sorts. Um, but yeah, lots of, uh, Lots of challenges around things like events as well, where people are, you know, rely a lot for outreach and brand awareness and sales too on the farmers markets and food markets and, and industry events too. So it's definitely a definitely a big impact. I know a lot of people are chomping at a bit to be back out and uh, and meeting people and introducing their gin and everything like that. Absolutely. And and so I think that's kind of a good sort of place to kind of finish but uh before before we go there's a couple of questions that i want to ask you but before that so how, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you so there's uh the website is www.theginguide.com uh, and of course uh, instagram as well it's uh, at the gin guide um, and also across uh, facebook and twitter and youtube as well so any of those uh, any of those ways uh Please do, uh, please do take a look, or uh, and feel free to give me a shout. Okay, brilliant, and I'll certainly put those in the in the show notes. And two more questions before you go, if I may. What is your favourite gin, and what would you serve it with? Oh, I see. Uh, it's a big question. It um, is. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to give you a favourite gin, just to uh, just to remain impartial. But um, there's some uh, sort of reminisce about some of the gins that. Yeah, I've really, it really stood out to me, particularly as I was uh, discovering gin a few years back. And there are really things like, um, I remember St. George Terrar gin from the US. I just remember the first time trying that, and it's just, you know, uh, an absolute wave of pine. And uh, I'll always remember that. And equally, you know, fairly accessible gins like Martin Miller's, uh, when I was discovering gin a long time, and uh, I still enjoy for for old times sake um and then you know if i think about what i've tried recently that's that stood out um gins like qvt gin from france was was really impressive um shire gin from uh, from over here uh, was another really nice one and yeah lots of i like lots of different gins for lots of different reasons so the likes of uh, green sand ridge do unbelievable sustainability work um which you know always really impresses me and uh and a gorgeous gin with it and then i think three wrens gin of uh, i've been enjoying their uh i suppose their experimentation uh it's a distillery in cheshire and they uh, they like to break the mold a little bit with a, a bison grass gin wow and uh, a gin that uh and a raspberry gin that's aged in uh, balsamic vinegar casks oh wow so it's some definitely some quirky things and different things and it's one of the great excitements of 
of the industry is all that innovation and experimentation and you know within reason there's you know um not not that many boundaries to flavor uh as long as you've got your uh, your juniper there and and what does gin mean to you for me gin is all about enjoyment and you know socializing and that convivial uh, element to it um i think that's always really important to remember as it's easy to get caught up in other elements of it and you know i always try to to say you know use your personal uh favorite things and your personal preferences and you know, it's not something to be pretentious about so uh like with uh, like with garnishes at my you know, if you enjoy it with that garnish like, go for it enjoy it so i think that's a big thing i think it's all about enjoyment and um uh, i think that's it's all discovery and that and that uh that whole thing is it, with all food and drink so so that's it for me oh, i think that's a pretty pretty good answer and a pretty w- good way to end um thank you very much for for joining the gin ignite podcast and it's been an honor and a privilege to talk to you Thanks so much, Ben. It's uh, been brilliant to uh, brilliant to chat with you as always, and thanks again for inviting me on. Well, thank you very much to Paul. Uh, I really enjoyed our chat. My Instagram shout out this week is the Gin Lord Rory. Thank you very much. Uh, I apologise in advance that I did not see you live for a month, which is pretty terrible, really. Uh, the one you did on the tenth of September. As always, I love the frankness of your lives. Please, please keep them coming because I know an awful lot of people and judging by the comments and I know you've, you've mentioned it, an awful lot of people really enjoy what it is that you have to say. I like the way you engage and I would like to thank you for your comments, not last week, but the week before uh, on distilleries. They really, really helped me. So I really, really do appreciate that. I really enjoyed the live you did a few weeks ago with Tristan uh, from Massingbird Monday. And it really did help me, if I'm honest, preparing for episode 12. I always enjoy your latest Negroni incarnations. I'm still trying to get kind of Negroni right myself. But I think for me, the only way is to kind of ditch their Campari, which I know is probably sacrilege to you. So I do apologize about that. We can't all, you know, be the same. I always enjoy your reviews, especially the one on the Gouging Company, Dragon Strength. The only review or the only post I didn't really enjoy was the one where you were talking about reducing your gin collection. That's heartbreaking. Uh, I'm glad you've kind of started your podcast, uh, first of all, and I wish you all the luck with that. Uh, I think I've got even more respect for you, having found out very recently when I was doing the research for Paul Jackson at the Gin Guide, that you are a judge on the Gin Guide Awards. I know that Paul doesn't just let anybody on those awards. So thank you again for your lives. I really enjoy them. So please keep them coming. I would love to hear from you. If you want to get in touch, please do so at Gin Ignite on Instagram or Twitter. If you want to get in touch with me regarding ideas for the podcast, by all means, DM me. Or alternatively, you can email me at podcast.ideas at ginignite.com. If you want to just have a general chat, then please send a message to gin.gossip at ginignite.com. The thing that I like about the gin community that I've met so far is that nobody judges anyone for what they believe, what they look like, or who they choose to be. The world would be a better place if everyone took that view. Grab your drink, toast those you love, enjoy your weekend, and whether you decide to party or stay in, 
I will be with you in spirit. Seriously though, enjoy your weekend and I look forward to joining you for another episode next Friday. Cheers! Cheers!